Good morning. If this is your first time, Karibu Sana. And that was, Lord, we thank you for your joy. We thank you for the freedom that is in this place. We thank you because you're healing us of your fighting battles that we don't even know about. You're setting us free. So, Lord, we receive your freedom. We receive your freedom. Deep, deep freedom. Things that have held us, things that we've holden to. We receive your freedom, Lord. And we, as chains are breaking, we will dance at the feet of our Father. We will dance in thanksgiving. We will dance in celebration. Lord, and I pray that this freedom will flow from this place to the nations around us, from this place to our families, to our friends and our neighbors. Lord, let it come. Let it come. More of you, Lord. More of you, Lord. More of you. More of you, Lord. Nothing will stop the work you've started. Nothing will stop the work you've started. Not even us, Lord. Oh, Lord. Yes, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. So, we are, uh, uh oh. We're having a bit of a power issue. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Joy, please. So I just, uh, we've, we've been doing a series on healing, and like I said, we will share uh, a few stories in our community. Um, I think we'll just use this one. We'll share a few stories in our community, and yeah. Hello. So yeah, it's an exciting morning. Um, my name is Joy McCann. I am part of the I am part of the leadership team here, and I am so so thankful for this community and for Pastor Edgar. Can we clap for Pastor Edgar? Can we just appreciate him and everything? Yeah, because he's leading us into freedom through Jesus, right? And it's beautiful. Um, so yeah. Quick healing testimony. Um, many of you may know, but I just invite you to hear it for the first time. Um, I was diagnosed with an illness called ME when I was 12 years old. And that means that your spine and your brain are inflamed, which then means that your whole body cannot function properly. My case was one of the worst cases that any of the doctors in the big London hospital had seen. And the prognosis was that I would be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life because of the age I was and my bones and my muscles developing because suddenly my whole body was not able to function. So that was what I had been told. And my, I would have head pain all the time. I had light sensitivity, which meant I would be laying in the darkness. I had sound sensitivity, which meant that any kind of small noise would sound so, so loud to me, and I couldn't cope with it, so we had to work around that. I would be fatigued all the time, exhausted, and I was being looked after by my mum, fed. I remember I held a, a glass of juice, and it just spilled all over me. My, my whole body had completely closed down. And yeah, with that prognosis, it was quite difficult to realize what I would be doing. And I questioned a lot about God and about faith, 
And I think, to be honest, at that point, I didn't really know much about healing. I think I didn't really know what healing was. And definitely with something to that level, I didn't know that that could ever get better. Um, so we went for a period of many, many years, around 10 years, um, in Northern Ireland. Um, and then we reached a point where we heard there was better health care in England, in this London hospital. Because when the doctor came, he'd flown from London. It was that serious to Northern Ireland. So um, we moved to England as a family. And I had to be flat on my back on a ferry to reach there. Basically just pointing out I was still completely unable to hold my head up or do anything. We joined a new church community called Gateway Vineyard Church. So sounds a little bit similar, right? Vineyard, Vineyard. And it was. It was part of our family. And... We've always had prayer. There was something specific about that community that they really were insisting on continuing to pray for healing, very specifically. And they continued to pray for me. They felt that I should go to the church to receive prayer. And we had to get me in the car. It was really difficult. It got me in the car with a backrest to support myself. And over a period of six months, when I could go, we would go. I would come home feeling terrible. There were moments where it would get better, but they insisted that to keep praying and that I would get well. We had a prophetic word about my sister's wedding, that God was going to make me well that day. Prophetic simply meaning somebody just saying, we feel God has said this. It dropped into our head. Then more people said that, three people. So on my sister's wedding day, I went... I'm shortening the story, you can tell, but I went, it was hard. I sat, and I had the backrest, and I felt terrible. However, um, there was this point in the worship. So I want to point that out in the worship. I'd had prayer, but God works in a lot of different ways, and everything is worship. And in the worship, I heard this voice, and it was, I can do it as best I can, stand up, Joy. And I looked around, and I couldn't see who was talking to me. I took all the strength I had, I stood, and it was like something lifted and left my body in that moment. And everything I did from that point was not a sick person. I was able to dance, I was able to walk. God completely healed me. But, amen, amen, <laughs> amen. <laughs> but let's just be real here and say that I didn't stand up instantly and say, Jesus has healed me. I didn't know what had happened. So I believed that had happened, but it took about two months for me to really realize and confess that. And then six months after I confessed it before church, I was on a plane to Tanzania. That's my story. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Also, attend your sister's wedding. If they invite you, you might receive healing there. But, it, it, you know, it's crazy how... How God could do stuff so that the person who couldn't stand any noise is now one of the noisiest in the team. Isn't that cool? Why don't we now? We love you, Joy. Um, so one of the reasons we're doing that, I really believe that, that uh, 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 what's the word? Uh, gratitude brings multiplication. Gratitude brings multiplication. If you remember the story of Jesus and the fish and the food and the bread, the bread and the fish feeding the, the, the people. What did Jesus do? He gave thanks. 
right? So it's not like a formula, right? I'm not saying, okay, good. But let's learn to, to give thanks and let's just ask God then multiply. So Lord, we ask that you multiply healing in this place. We ask that you multiply healing in our bodies, in our minds, in our relationships. We ask that you multiply healing in this city, in Jesus' name. Why don't you all stand for the reading of scripture together? Uh, we'll be reading from um, Luke again, this time 13. Let's read together. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what has bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. My dad um, was one of those bathroom worship leaders. How many are in the room? And so, you know, uh, and one of his favorite songs was scripted in King James English, right? You know, there was a time when to be properly Christian was to speak in King James. And, you know, one of his songs, so he'd be showering and I would hear his deep voice thundering through the house. I am the Lord that he laid thee. I am the Lord, your healer. I sent my word and healed your disease. I am the Lord, your healer. And to this day, every time, I, I, I never heard that song anywhere else but from my dad. And so every time I do it, it's because I'm trying to, you know, it's just come to my mind and I remember my father. Now, I'm, sh I'm sure we often sing maybe that song or others around the things God can do. But sadly, for many, many people, it's just things we sing about. You know, we, we just... Uh, I sang a song about miracles. Sadly, for so many people, miracles are things we just sing about. We are happy to sing about them, but we don't really practice that stuff, or we don't actually expect God to do them. It is so sad. What if following Jesus is more than just singing about the stuff, but also doing the stuff? What if following Jesus is more than just believing that he can heal, but actually practicing healing and expecting healing and receiving and giving healing? In the few weeks, we're exploring the whole idea of doing healing. 
And, you know, we, we've talked about what healing is. Uh, we started by saying that the word salvation, the word that is used for salvation, uh, 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 sozo in Greek, can be both translated, uh, can be translated both into salvation, deliverance, and healing. And it fits into Jesus' worldview that, that he didn't just come for forgiveness of sin. He came for the, for the total holistic deliverance of people. And that's why in his practice, he didn't just speak forgiveness, he healed the sick. He didn't just say, hey, you're forgiven, go and sin no more. He cast out evil spirits. Why? Because for Jesus, it was, it was holistic healing. Just forgiveness of sin, as important as it is, and it is very important, would be such a small vision. Would be such a small vision. You know, um, so Jesus taught with power and authority, and with his power, he healed the sick, and in his power, he cast out demons. For Jesus, your mental peace is just as important as your emotional freedom. For Jesus, your emotional freedom is just as important as your physical healing. For Jesus, you being free from sin is just as important as, 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 as you being free from demonic oppression. It's all one and the same. Think about it. Where does your mind end and your body begin? So what impacts one, what affects one often impacts the other. When your body is sick, your mind is not at peace. When you're spiritually estranged from God, your body wouldn't be well. Like, and, and, I, and they're definitely very different parts of us, yet it is, we're one whole being. So Jesus comes to, to bring holistic salvation, which does include healing the sick. You cannot save one and not the other. You cannot be saved from sin and not be given a, a freedom from demonic oppression and healing. For Jesus, it is holistic. That's why Jesus came. And, and you know, uh, healing is, 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 is things that have, are out of joint being set right. If you, if you think about the word play, disease is something that is no longer at ease that it was once was. And so, you know, when something is not at ease, it is disease. I feel like a poet. Uber, call me for the next show. But, but thank you. Uh, and, and healing is about setting right what is out of joint. And, uh, and so Jesus came to, to, to bring holistic healing, not, uh, both relationally, both with us and, and God and us and, and people around us, uh, both mentally and physically and also emotionally. That is what we're about. Now, following Jesus includes doing what Jesus did. So the invitation, come follow me, and they're sending out, then go and make disciples. This is what it actually looks like. We abide in Jesus. We follow Jesus. We hang out with him until we start catching who he is. And he starts transforming us by his power. And then we become like him. And after we've become like him, we need to go out and do what he did. And that includes healing the sick. That includes healing praying for the sick, and healing the sick. Jesus did not just heal the sick in front of his disciples so that they see. He also sent them out to do the same. In fact, he expected that, that, um, uh, that they would do the same. 
So when he sent them out two by two, what did he tell them? Go and heal the sick. He didn't just do it because he was the only one who could do it. He was modeling it, and then he expected that they would do the same. And if we are followers of Jesus, I want to argue that he expects us to do the same. So Jesus expects you to heal the sick. Now, part of the, the, the invitations I'm making is, one, God does heal today, and he heals through his people. Two, I want to move the whole uh, uh, invitation to heal the sick from the stage to the pews, from the, from the few to the many, because this was always Jesus' calling, that all of his disciples would heal the sick. So when he sent them out two by two, what did he say? Lay your hands on the sick, and they will be made well. Now today I want us to answer a different question. Why should you lay your hands on the sick? Why should you, the person seated in this, uh, uh, under this tent today, lay your hands on the sick? Why should it move from the few to the many? Why should you not leave it for only the prayer team that comes up front? Why is it part of what you should do? But you know, to answer that question, I've got to back up and answer a very different question. Who gets to heal the sick? You know, is it the, the pastor? Is it the mighty man of God? Is it the mighty prophet of God? Is it the traveling preacher from outside the country? You know how sometimes when people are, everyone who's from outside of town with a briefcase is, 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 uh, is the, the professional, right? When, when we, and it happens to me too, and I'm sure those of you also travel. Like when you're traveling to a place, everybody wants you to pray for them. Right? So why should it move from uh, uh, who should heal the sick? Is it that just those people or everyone? Let's look at a few scriptures. This is Luke 9. Jesus convened a gathering of the 12. He gave them power and authority to free people from all demonic spirits and heal them from diseases. He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Okay, so Jesus was doing it and now he sent out the 12. Luke 10, the, the Lord then recruited and deployed 70 more disciples. He sent them ahead in, in teams of two to visit all the towns and settlements between them and Jerusalem. This is what he told them, verse 7, stay where you're welcomed, become part of the family, eating and drinking whatever they give you. You're my workers and you deserve to be taken care of. Again, don't go from house to house, but settle down in a town and eat whatever they serve you. Heal the sick and say to the townspeople, the kingdom of God has come near you. So, one, he starts by sending, so Jesus was doing it himself. Then he started by sending the, 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 the ones we, we first called apostles. But he didn't stop there. He then gathered 70 more who were following him. So that beats the idea. Sometimes there are people who argue that healing and miracles was only author, was was authority given to only the apostles. Well, Jesus didn't give it to only the apostles. He sent sent seventy more. And then right after that, uh, so we have the movement of authority be, being given first to the twelve, and then to the seventy, and then on Pentecost, the spirit of of, of Jesus rests on one hundred and twenty more. And it continues and continues and continues. At some point, Paul is writing to a church that was gathering in, in Corinth. 
And he's telling them, hey, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be unaware. Some people will, will, have, the, uh, will have the gracelets of doing miracles. So at this point, it's given to the whole church. Guess what? At this point, it's given to you too. So, just a small question. How many of us here, because I know not, every, not everyone who comes here Sunday morning is following Jesus, and that's very fine. We want you to be part of this community as you explore the invitation God is making to you. And, 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 and then I know that some of you are followers of Jesus. So I want to ask this question. How many of you in this room are disciples of Jesus? Just lift your hand. So, who gets to heal the sick? You. The disciples. Authority and power to heal the sick has been given to you. In the vineyard, we, we say, we, we call, uh, we, one of the vineyardisms, we say we all get to play. We all get to play. No one is left out. There's no sitting on the fence. Whether you started following Jesus the other day, whether you've been following Jesus for many years of your life, whether you're a child, even children get to play. Or whether you're an adult, an aging. Whether you're in a season of doubt or your faith is still strong, we all get to play. You get to heal the sick. So now let's, back, let's go back to the big question I want us to answer today. Why should you... Now that you have the authority, why should you participate in praying for the sick, in laying your hands on the sick and, and praying for them so that it's not just the pastor or the worship team or people with big titles, just everyday people. Like I said last week, healing the sick is Tuesday morning for believers. So why should you participate? Okay, and then again, before I answer the question, I want to make this, this invitation. Surrender the results. You're not in control of healing. Because if you are in control of healing, we would not be having this conversation. You are not in control of healing. So many people are stuck not praying for the sick because they, 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 uh, they're worried about what if it doesn't happen. And they're disappointed by the times it didn't happen. You're not in control of healing. Let me just tell you this. One, it's God who gets the glory and it's God who heals. So no pressure on you. You, you know, if, if, if I have to deliver any type of news and, and it's, uh, its implementation is not dependent on me and I get my pay at the end of the day, what's the pressure? Right? It's not on you. So lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. Then let God do what he does. He gets the glory and he's the one who decides. So you're just what Jesus called us. You're a worker in the kingdom. So, so forget, forget, think, forget being stuck up on what the results are. Because the problem is, one, we don't, don't realize how much in disobedience we're living. Because Jesus did command, now go out, declare that the kingdom of God has come, and heal the sick and cast out demons. It wasn't, yeah, you, you have an option. No, he said, go out. If you're really my disciples, go out, make disciples of all nations, 
Declare the kingdom of God has come, heal the sick, and cast out demons. So we don't realize sometimes how much we're in disobedience. And two, we miss out on all that God is about to do in us, with us, and through us. As we participate in praying for the sick, there's something God is doing in us. We're being transformed. As we participate in praying for the sick, there's something God is doing around us. So today I want you to step into praying for the sick primarily uh, because of, of, of uh, how it is tied to our, uh, our discipleship. And then let God do the rest. Can we, can we, can we think of it, uh, of it that way? Let's just think about it as an invitation to discipleship and let God do the rest. So... Why should you uh, lay your hands on sick people and pray for their healing? One, compassion. Compassion. Everything Jesus did was because he felt deeply for his people. The story we read today, Jesus healed that woman because he cared deeply for her. In fact, what bothered him with, with, the, with the leaders of, of the synagogue is that they care more. They, they behaved in a way that showed that they cared more about their economics, you know, putting the donkey out, than they cared for people. Sometimes we act like that too. The, one of the reasons you should, share, uh, you should lay your hands on the sick and pray for them is that you're invited to share in God's compassion for the world. And compassion is not pity. It's not boishe. No, compassion is deep care and love for people and their situation that it moves us into action on their behalf. Deep care and love for people around us and their situations that it moves us into uh, into. Um, Action. So when we are praying for the sick, when you lay your hands on the sick and pray for them, you are one, expressing the Father's compassion. Two, you're learning the Father's compassion yourself. Because we could never pretend to love people better than God loves them. But when we participate, we are learning each day to join God in loving his children. We are learning the Father's love for the world around us. So Jesus said, the field is ready, but the workers are few. And if salvation is a lot more than just forgiveness of sin, Jesus is also saying there are people out there who are longing to experience the compassion of the Father, but the workers are few. People who will lay their, their hands on them and pray for them are few. So what we're doing as a team is praying for the Lord of the harvest to send workers, and we're empowering you to go out there and show the compassion of the Father. The field is ready. How many people are just waiting for you to pray over them and, and for them to experience the compassion of the Father? Uh, Randy and I were traveling a couple of a couple of months back, and we went to this place. We found this guy drinking himself into oblivion, and you know we were we didn't want to talk to him. It was you know private time, uh, but we, you know, we didn't know the compassion of the father. But we just uh, he kept coming, kept coming, and we thought, okay, uh, we started talking to him. We got a few words of knowledge for him, and we and 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 he responded. And uh, he, his wife was in the hospital uh, g uh, getting a baby. That sounds like she was buying. Uh, delivering a baby. Um, and they were estranged. And so he was in deep emotional pain. 
And uh, so we got a few words of knowledge, and, and we, we, we're with him, we're talking to him, and we offered to pray for him. Now, he didn't let us pray for him. Uh, he said, hey, I'm Muslim, I won't let you pray for me. He didn't let us pray for him. But in tears, he said, you're the only people who've talked to me and made me feel like a human being again. What we were doing, without even knowing, is participating in allowing this person to know and feel compassion. The field is ready. The workers are few. Lord, send your workers. That's one of the reasons you should lay your hands on the sick and pray for them. You're participating in showing God's compassion. Second reason, partnering with God. God, in his wisdom, decides to partner with us. God, who is in need of nothing, decides to partner with us. And it has been that way from the beginning, from creation. It has always been about uh, uh, the divine partnering with us. Um, rarely does God do, rarely does God intervene. Not that he doesn't, not that he cannot, but rarely does God intervene without inviting people to partner with him. And yes, even broken people like myself and you. So God wants you to partner with him. So we can see the movement even with Jesus. He starts by inviting 12. Right as he started his ministry, Jesus invites 12 people to hang out with him and then teaches, teaches them to do the very same things he is doing. Then he invites 70 more. And then he invites 120. And then he sends them out to invite everyone else. God wants to partner with you. Some healing does not happen because you do not pray for those people. Some healing does not happen because we do not pray. Sometimes we have not because we have asked not. Not always, and we'll get to that. Yet sometimes we have not because we have asked not. Or another way Jesus would put it is uh, uh, some of us do not have healing because we have asked nothing in his name yet. Not always. Yet, there's an invitation to partner with God. And he's waiting on his children. He's waiting on his church. He's waiting on the disciples to partner with him. And, you know, that obviously raises the question, what is the right mix how much is God doing and how much am I doing? If it's a partnership, is it 50-50? Is it 10-90? What is it? You know, the, the truth is, to purport to answer that question fully would be a lie. I don't know what the mix is. And, you know, what was the right mix? Sovereignty and human participation. Let's start here. The results are up to God. Glory is for God. So I don't know what the answer of that is, yet God desires deeply to partner with you. He delights in doing things with you. It's like a father washing his car and his, 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 his little boy or little girl decides, I want to join you. I mean, how much cleaning will this little boy or little girl do? They might even, you know, muddy, use, leave fingerprints of mud on the car. And the father delights in doing it with their child anyway. God wants to work with you. And after all, even the desire to pray for the sick, he puts it in you to begin with. 
And so, okay, so someone would ask, okay, so what if the times I've prayed for people and they've gotten healed are just coincidences? What, what really does it have to do with me? Uh, there's an a, a, a archbishop of Canterbury whiles back called William Temple. He said, the more I pray, the more coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. So I might as well pray. Or how John Wimber, the, the founder of the vineyards, uh, put it, he, especially around praying for the sick. Uh, when, when I wasn't praying for the sick, I wasn't seeing people healed. This is a paraphrase of what he said. But when I started praying for the sick, some got healed. So we might as well pray. We might as well partner with God. This is, us, this is a practical way of the church to live out the prayer Jesus taught us. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. It's not enough to just pray it. And that prayer is powerful. We need to live it out. When we pray for the sick, it's a practical way of living out the prayer. Let your kingdom come and your will be done. It is embodied faith. Uh, when Jesus taught that, uh, it seems to Jesus that, that, that there is an experience, an expectation, a, 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 um, an unveiling of the kingdom of God that is dependent on us praying. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus thinks you are supposed to be participating. Another reason we should pray for the sick, and it's hot. Spiritual warfare. There is a war going on. Whether we, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not, there's no neutral ground. There are two sides to this war. God on one, his enemies on the other. There's a war going on. Whether we like it or not, there's no neutral ground. God on one side, his enemies on the other. And so praying for the sick is participating in spiritual warfare and taking back ground from the enemy. Now, not all disease is caused by demonic oppression. I want to be very clear. Some of it is just faulty biology. You know, maybe you just have allergies and you should, you know, stop playing in the dust. That's weird to say in adult church, you know. Maybe someone just had an accident. There was a driver who wasn't careful. Maybe someone just made wrong decisions in life and, you know, they messed up their biology or their relationship. Or, you know, not all disease is, is directly caused by uh, demonic activity. Yet some of it is. I have a friend who planted a church in Vineyard, uh, in, in Arusha, Tanzania, and his wife was sick for many years. Certainly the, the times I had traveled there, I had never seen her. She was in bed, couldn't move. And they had gotten to a place where they were tired of receiving prayer, right? Sometimes you get there. Seven, ten years, you can imagine, like, with joy, receiving prayer, and you're sick for over ten years. You could get to a place where you're just like, well, ah, maybe not. So they had gotten to a place of, yeah, I'm not sure we want to receive any more prayer. And they were inviting their family to start preparing them for the, for the passing of, of this lady. Then one person said, could we pray? 
And, you know, begrudgingly, he's just like, yeah, sure. They weren't going to cancel the plans of inviting their family to just come say goodbye. Yet, so when they were praying for this sick lady, what they ended up doing is breaking a curse that was on her. And that very day, she woke up, got off the bed, and was serving people, you know? So, not all diseases are related to demonic activity, yet some are. Some illnesses are because of direct influence of that. So, we've read the story at the beginning of a lady who had a hunchback. Not all hunchbacks you will see out there are a result of demonic oppression. Don't go casting out demons out of every hunchback you see. Yet, this one was. Right? So when we lay our hands on the sick and we pray for their healing, we are participating in spiritual warfare. Uh, the disciples, after they were sent, they came back excited. Let me read you what they were saying. It's amazing, Lord. This is uh, Luke 10. It's amazing, Lord. When we use your name, the demons do what we say. Then Jesus said, this is what I was referring to last Sunday. I know, I know. I saw Satan falling from above like a lightning bolt. I've given you all authority. So for Jesus, even when the disease is not necessarily related to demonic activity, because I'm sure not everyone that they healed had disease related to demonic activity. Yet, because the source of all evil is, is, is our enemy to begin with, for Jesus, every time we lay our hands on the sick, regardless of outcome, regardless of source, we are participating in spiritual warfare. We are taking our authority and taking background. Lastly for today, one of the reasons you should lay your hands on the sick and pray for them is healing is a signpost of the kingdom of heaven. So, everyone, Jesus, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jesus' ministry for him was because he was the anointed one, the Christ. That's what we read last week. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and then he said, and now I'll do these things. So, for Jesus, he's healing the sick because he is the anointed one. Everyone whom he healed acknowledged him as the Messiah. So for Jesus, healing and the kingdom of God, healing and the anointing of the kingdom of God are tied together. Healing points us to the kingdom of God. When he sent out the 12, what did he tell them? Lay your hands on the sick and heal them and declare that the kingdom of God has come near. Every time healing occurs, it points us to the kingdom of God. So when we lay our hands on the sick, when we participate in this, we are erecting signposts to, for the kingdom of God. Now let's be honest. If you think about it, if any of you has ever received miraculous healing, you got sick again. Either with something else or something worse. Or the same thing, again. I know many, many times, Joe said, I can't come into the office today. I'm, I'm, I'm very unwell. I'm under medication. So what is this about? 
If someone receives healing but we still fall sick, what is this about? This is the tension of the times we live in. The kingdom of God in Jesus has come, yet it is not fully here. So we're waiting for the completion of the, of the coming of the kingdom when Jesus returns. So we're living in this in-between times where, where the power of God and, and, the, and, and, and the weakened enemy are existing side by side. It is the, the tension of the kingdom of God. It is the now, the, the nature of the kingdom of God it is that it is here now and it is not yet here all at the same time. Paul puts it, you know, we're pressed but not crushed. Oh, come on. What do you mean? We're persecuted but not abandoned. Well, really, what do you mean? Paul is pointing to the tension of the kingdom of God. We're existing in this in-between times. And so there's healing and still there's disease. So every time healing happens, what is it for? Points us to the coming kingdom of God. Think about it. You know, uh, Lazarus was raised from the dead. That's the ultimate uh, goal of, of disease, to take away life. Lazarus was raised from the dead. And I bet you he died again. Otherwise, he'd have joined a vineyard church. Just kidding. Let's even imagine a scenario where, so this part, so don't go away saying that church, they have... This part is my, just my creativity. Let's, let's imagine a scenario where, where Lazarus dies a couple of times before Jesus is ascended to heaven. And they keep calling him. Lazarus did the thing again. Come raise him. And they raise him a couple. I can imagine the third time he's going, guys, leave me alone. It's actually better on the other side. But no matter how many times, he died again. We all kind of have a sense that real resurrection, sorry, the completion of resurrection will be with us when Jesus comes again. So why was Jesus doing it in the first place? Why not just let this man rest? Because every time healing happens, it's, it's a signpost to the kingdom of God. Every time healing happens, the kingdom of God has come now. So it's not just future, but that is us experiencing the power of the age to come now. So every time healing happens, the kingdom of God, God has come now, and we are actively living our hope for the future that is coming. We are saying, Lord, we know that you're coming soon because we are seeing you here with us now. So every time you lay your hands and pray for the sick, you are participating in raising up a signpost for the hope that we deeply carry. Let your kingdom come. Any healing now is an experience of the kingdom of God, and it points to a coming future that we do not yet live in, yet experiencing. And praying for the sick is our way to embody that hope. One of the things I keep inviting us to, let's run away from a faith that is just in our heads. Let's start embodying what we believe. Let's run away from just saying I believe and living out what we believe.
Every time we lay our hands on the sick, it's our way with our bodies praying the prayer, Maranatha, come, O Lord. We're no longer just reading it in the pages of Scripture. We're living it out. Every time we take the risk of praying for the sick, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Every time we risk and play for the sick, we're living out the words of Revelation. We're living out our hope in the words of Revelation that says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no crying, no pain, for the former things have passed away. When we pray for the sick, the church is actively living out the truth in Scripture when it says the spirit of the bride says, come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. If anything in you yearns for the coming of the Lord, so much in me yearns for the coming of the Lord. Stuff inside me that I'm just like, ugh. Stuff I see uh, in the world around us. I'm yearning for the coming of the Lord. And so every time he moves, I thank you, Lord, because you are here and your promises are, are true. God desires to partner with you. So I encourage you, lift your head from the results and focus on obedience in the practice of laying your hands on the sick. And let's see what God is going to do. Why don't we sit in twos and, uh, twos and threes and just answer two questions today and we'll call it a day. So again, like I've always said, these questions are not for the most Christian churchy answer. Don't forget that stuff. It's an invitation to explore where we are. I like the guy who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. So the first question is, do you often lay your hands on, on friends and family when they say they're sick? It's actually trickier when it's family, right? Because they know you too well. If yes, why? If no, why not? What has today's talk stirred in you? Okay, right before we start. So last week, last week I saw some people pray for each other. So just by a show of hands, how many people received healing from prayers in the groups we had last week? Anyone who felt better? I know one person. I didn't see her today. Okay. 